Welcome to the Innovation Day podcast. I'm your host, Neil Follett. Sort of. Okay, to be clear, I'm not sort of Neil Follett, but this is sort of an Innovation Day episode. Today's episode's much shorter than our usual, hence we've called it a short, and to be honest, it's a bit of a breather for us between regular episodes. It might not seem like much to put an episode out every two weeks, but in fact, it's often a bit of a scramble. We need to find great guests, we need to work around everyone's schedule, record, edit, package everything up for a Monday drop, and we do that on the side. My day job is is leading an advertising agency here in Toronto, and the other part of the we is Daryl, our producer, who's busy with a very long list of other projects as well. You've heard Daryl's name mentioned at the end of every episode, and he's instrumental in making this project happen. Daryl has a very long list of other things that he does. Um, you're an editor. Uh, yeah. You you do translation? Yeah, sort of. I do linguistic QC. I help adapt foreign film and TV for English-speaking audiences. So usually the script comes to me in some loose translation, and I edit it for colloquialism and is it British or American slang, this sort of thing. All right. You're a producer, obviously. Yes. Yep. Um, you're also a successful recording artist, uh, releasing music under the name Justin B. No. Uh, <laughs> releasing music under the name uh, Old Kid. Yeah, uh, I don't have my own Timbits. That's where we're heading, I hope. And you can find you can find Old Kid music on Spotify or generally wherever you listen. Yep. Um, you've also written a book called Pride and Travel. I did. Um, yep. And finally, amazingly, you're a very successful cardiac surgeon. <laughs> That's the one thing you definitely don't want to call me. Though I am the trainer. I am the goalie coach and trainer for uh, for a minor hockey team here in Toronto. So I have a little bit of, uh, you know, I had to do my CPR and all that. But uh, okay. the well, surgery, there you go. no, you don't want me to do that. Not so much. Okay. I was just, it was like, um, like five truths and a lie. And I was just trying to see if you could guess. Um, so we, we could talk about all of those things, but I thought because it's a short and because it's it's a great story, I thought we could maybe talk about the book that you wrote. Yeah, let, let's dive in. So it's your it's your story to tell. In, instead of saying this is what the book is about, maybe start at the beginning and explain kind of what the impetus was, and then what this experience was that you eventually wrote about in a really great book. Yeah, it's hard to. I mean, if you could back it all the way up to you know my sister moving to Manchester when she was oh probably twenty, which would mean now she's reaching that milestone where she's lived in England longer than Canada and her sort of introducing me to that city and that football team, Manchester city. And that's where the sort of love of that took hold. But the impetus for writing a book came, you know, I was sort of at a, a crossroads as I think all of us get to at some point and, and music was, was burning me out a little bit. And I was interested in writing and um, through a friend I'd been introduced to the writer's program at UCLA so I moved out to Los Angeles for nearly two years and I took the writer's program. And at the end of it, I had a conversation with one of my favorite teachers, Norman Kolpas. And I, I just asked him, what, what do you think I should do next? What do, we, what do I do with all of this? And he said, I think you have a book in you. I'd really like to see you write a book. Which took me off guard because I, th- I thought I was there for screenwriting, uh, you know, film and television. And he said, well, I think you should write a book. And, and initially, he wanted me to write about independent music and, and being an artist who, you know, got close but never quite made it. And I and I started sort of roughing out that idea. And then I was at my sister's wedding in 2013, and there was a very close friend of ours who worked at Man City, 
And I'd had this other idea kicking around in my head too. So I told him about the music thing and about, about Norman and his urgings and everything. And then I said, I also have this other idea. There's this supporters club in Toronto for Manchester City where we meet up. Um, and it was originally Chris. This is Chris Neal I'm talking about who worked for Man City. He'd asked me a few years earlier to check out a supporters club that was here in Toronto. They were up for uh, an award that was called Heart of the City at the time. And he just asked if I would go down and, and sort of check them out, see if, I mean, you know, just make sure they're a real club with real people at a at a real bar and all that stuff. Um, and that wound up being my introduction to a supporters club, to Opera Bob's at Ossington and Dundas here in Toronto. And it was just one of the greatest afternoons I'd ever had. Uh, just like-minded people, passionate about Man City. And that's where I found out that these chapters exist all over the world. And I had this idea. I was like, what if I just took a year off and just visited different supporter clubs around the world and found out how people got into Man City and what are their match days like? Um, you know, if you're in Hong Kong, you're watching these matches at 11 at night. If you're in LA, you're watching these at sometimes you're getting up at four or five in the morning. So I told Chris about this at the wedding, uh, you know, post-wedding after a few refreshments. So, <laughs> which, kind of which I also feel is maybe one of the reasons that you enjoyed this, the going out to the supporters club in Toronto so much. Well, there, you know, there is, it is nice. You, you can let your hair down and nobody's judging how many beers you've had. And it's nice. You, you get to let loose a little bit. And, and sorry, before you go on, I want to, I want to back up a tiny bit because you were not like you, you've not always been a football slash soccer fan and you came to be a fan of, of this particular club in, in kind of an interesting way. Yeah, I, I got uh, introduced like a lot of people, I think, in North America when the World Cup came in 1994 to the States and some of the teams practiced up here before the World Cup. And, and I had some friends who were into soccer and they got me really into it. But I didn't after that ended, I, I didn't have a club team. And that's not too long before my sister moved to England. And um, I thought, well, I'd like to get into a club team. And uh, she was asking me what I wanted for Christmas. And of course, she's, you know, was a, a broke student and couldn't come home for Christmas. But she said, I'll mail you something. I said, well, I'd love a soccer jersey. But everybody then loved Man United and they were winning everything at the time. And I said, well, just don't send me them. Because that would be a bit like diving in and saying, I want to get into baseball. I'm going to cheer for the Yankees. I'm going to get into football. I'm going to cheer for the Dallas Cowboys. And I knew I didn't want to do that. Um, so she sent me a Man City shirt. And and that was enough to sort of pique my interest. And then when I would go over, I, you know, hit uh, City games and uh, I took the stadium tour. And this was before City win a lot now. That's for people who maybe don't follow football closely. Man City are among the best in the world now. And when I started supporting them, they were just about as bad as you could be. <laughs> they, they, they were pretty miserable, which I think I was drawn to for some reason. <laughs> I love an underdog and it made sense to me. Well, you also love when they're doing well to be able to say, oh yeah, like I was, I, I'm not a bad wagon guy, right? Like I was here before. You know, on the ground floor. That's right. Well, there is, yeah, there's that prestige, isn't there? <laughs> to be, and I was, I was in before that. Yeah. But I went to the stadium my sister's like, oh, let's go for like a, a tour of the stadium. I said, okay. And I went and it was just my sister and I, a couple from Australia and the guy leading the tour. And that ended up being Chris Neald. And we became, it was such a small tour and such a, you know, the club at the time, you could just walk in. I remember walking right into the stadium once and Chris and I had started talking music and become friends. And he said, oh, drop me off some music at the stadium. 
and just walking into the stadium and finding someone there like, hello, hi. It's like, Chris told me to stop by and drop this off. Oh, yeah, you said you're coming. Yeah, yeah, okay. He left something for you. Oh, here you go, blah, blah, blah. And that's not the way it is now as much. It's a bit of a bigger club now. But, you know, so that was the club I was introduced to and and just fell in love with it, not to mention the city. And being from a music background, I I see Manchester as as Mecca for me. I think Manchester and Detroit are the two best city music cities in the world. I think everything else is a distant second. I think those two, at least for me, I know that that's a, an argument that's probably down to what, what you like, but for me, wow, hard to, hard to argue two better cities than that. But I just fell in love with the city and the people and they're, they're just innate storytellers. But so anyway, I, I was at the wedding and I told Chris what I was thinking about doing. And he said, and this is something that's come up on our podcast a lot, I that resonates with me when we talk about people who have started something new. Chris said, don't come to the club with this idea. Don't go to a publisher with this idea. He said, just start doing it. He said, start doing it and let them hear about it that way. And he was absolutely right. By the time I got to Dallas, which I think was the fifth city, they'd picked up that there was this Canadian guy traveling around the world. And how did you, how did you, there's, there's a bit of a story in terms of how you traveled. Um, Well, to start, I crowd funded. Um, and I had never done that before, which in itself is a is a bit of an experience. There's some anxiety there because you're first of all, you're asking people, you know, to to put their money and trust into you. But once they do, that's really no turning back. You're like, well, people have now said, yeah, I think you can do this. They've put a bit of money behind you, which basically, you know, the payoff would be, hey, do you want to buy a book before it's written? Yeah, it was, it was kind of the transaction, you know. Like, yeah, and, and 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 you know, and you do have people who throw in extra, and where it really starts to pick up steam is, you know, you have people reaching out from Gibraltar saying, "Hey, if you come here, you're welcome to stay with me for a few nights, and uh, you know, make you breakfast and take you around and stuff." And it's, you know, that's a heck of a lot more affordable than you know, finding a hotel in Gibraltar. You are a crowdfunded couch surfing yet to be published author at this point. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, people, you know, people picking up the tab, just things like taking me out for meals or cooking me something in their home. And I don't think they realized at the time I was like, I was probably not eating if they didn't do that, you know? Yeah. Um, But it was just the generosity of, of city supporters, the generosity of blues and, it, it it became such a bigger experience than just trying to see the world and watch football matches in pubs at weird times with people. It became friendships that I have to this day that are so deep, uh, you know. And Chris, I'll, I'll say that this morning I woke up to <laughs> I woke up to a message from Chris and and he and his wife Sophie have just had their first baby, a daughter born at three thirty in the morning last night. And you go, wow, that's the guy who I met on a tour of the stadium and, uh, you know, told this idea to at my sister's wedding. It's, it's, it's awesome. Well, this is a good, this is a good moment to say congratulations, Chris and Sophie. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And eventually this picked up, this picked up even more steam. Yeah, it did. And city did come on board and and city started to, you know, they would, they would tweet that I'm going to be in this city or that city. They were awesome. They had me come on as a, a blogger. So I would write a monthly piece for them uh, and then their sponsor is Eddie Had Airways because they're owned by Abu Dhabi Group, who also own Eddie Had Airways. 
And uh, Eddie had came on, on board and flew me to uh, Abu Dhabi for the final chapter to sort of uh, bring that all full circle. You, you know, it starts from getting up and literally walking down the street to Opera Bob's in Toronto, uh, you know, without really much money, <laughs> uh, in, well, you know, behind it. And it ends with Eddie had picking up the tab to take you to Abu Dhabi and back. And, and you, you getting off a flight and somebody holding up a sign that says Daryl Webster because like you actually have transportation and food and all this other kind of stuff now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really incredible. It really just went. A lot of my plans have not worked out in life. <laughs> you know, I've had some big ideas that, whoo, they did not play out the way I thought. That one... Uh, I think they people would say they use the term exceeded expectations, and that's fitting for how that went, for sure. Well, that is amazing. I, I would love to talk to you about uh, the 14 other things that you do, <laughs> but this yeah. one's a short. So, yeah. uh, if you are, if you, if your interest has been peaked, and it should be, if you enjoy travel, uh, crowds funding, couch surfing, uh, football, <laughs> uh, passion. Go check out Pride and Travel. It's available on Amazon and um, pretty much everywhere else you're going to get your books. Um, Daryl Webster, thank you for being an awesome producer and our first short guest. Neil, thanks for asking me to do the podcast, both as a guest, but more as a producer. I love being behind the scenes. I love listening to all the guests that we're so lucky to have on. And uh, I look forward to the next guest who uh, we should put out next week. Amazing. Thanks, Daryl. Cheers, Neil. This is